بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين والصلاة والسلام على سيد الأنبياء والمرسلين وعلى آله وصحبه أجمعين اللهم صل على سيدنا ومولانا محمد وعلى آل سيدنا ومولانا محمد وبارك وسلم ما بعد السلام عليكم ورحمة الله وبركاته الحمد لله we find ourselves in the last day of the Gregorian calendar last week we were talking about a new year's resolution the idea of a new year's resolution is not something foreign to Islam meaning a resolution and that is we are highly encouraged by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa to always renew our faith and in one hadith Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa tells the sahaba Jaddidu imanakum Continuously renew your faith And they asked How do we renew our faith? And Rasulullah responded Akthiru min qawli la ilaha illallah Continuously recite la ilaha illallah This will renew your faith And it's not just the statement of la ilaha illallah There's more to saying la ilaha illallah than that there's a condition of our heart when we say it. La ilaha illallah, there's no one worthy of worship other than Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is a pact that we make with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. They're not simply words, they have a lot of meaning behind them. And that is that I will follow whatever Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has commanded me to follow. And I will stay away and abstain from the prohibitions of sharia of what Allah and His Rasul have told me. And this is also found in the greatest ibadah, the greatest act of worship that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given us. That is salah. So last week we, we spoke about salah and the essence of salah and how the salah of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam and the sahaba was and how that caused them to get closer to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And I requested everyone to introspect and look into our lives and see where our salah is. What is the difference between our salah and the salah of the Sahaba? Anhum. What is the difference between our salah today and the salah that we learned 20, 30 years ago when we were children? Have I improved in my salah over the decades? Or is the condition of my salah the same? Rasulullah had such a salah, it was his connection with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And that is why he is reported to have said, the joy of my heart has been kept in salah. Rasulullah loved his salah because it was a time for him to communicate with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tells Rasulullah perform salah continuously all the time at night because in the daytime you have a, an occupation, you have a job to do. And that is to call people towards Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So Rasulullah's days were comprised of going out, inviting people to come towards Islam, and as an ambassador for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, the messenger of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he would call people. That was his occupation. But at night, this was Rasulullah's free time. What do we usually do in our free time? We engage in our hobbies. When we're free, we get off of work, then Alhamdulillah, now my day starts whether that be 5 p.m., 6 p.m., now we feel like, okay, I can do something that I enjoy. And what did Rasulullah do after work? Remember, his work is to call people towards Islam. This was the job that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala imposed on him. 
His hobby was to connect with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That is why he says, my, the coolness of my eyes, the joy of my heart has been kept in salah. He would spend hours and hours in communication with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. His salah was very special. If we look in the hadith, how he would perform his salah, it was, it was different than how we perform our salah. It was an active engagement with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. He would recite, and whenever he would come across a verse that, that speaks about the punishment of Jahannam, he would take a brief moment and make a dua at that moment. So he's aware of what he's reciting, and he's talking with Allah. He's reciting the, the verses of Jahannam, of the fire of Jahannam, then he takes a brief moment and he's filled with the fear of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And he says, Oh Allah, save me from the punishment of Jahannam. And then he continues. And when he comes across a verse speaking about the joys and delights of Jannah, he'll take a brief moment filled with joy, and he asks Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, grant me Jannah. And so like this, his entire salah, he was aware of what he was saying. He was engaging with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And in one hadith, he actually tells us a hadith Qudsi. This is a hadith in which Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam informs us of what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has told Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. This is a very beautiful hadith. And it's an authentic hadith, alhamdulillah. And I'm going to read that to you. Basically, Abu Huraira radiallahu anhu, he narrates that he heard Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa saying, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, I have broken salah up into two portions. One is for me and one is for my slave. Meaning there's a part in salah that I reserve for myself. There's a part that my slave receives from me in salah as well. So this is a conversation. When we approach the king, you know, in, in the ancient times, a person would approach the king, then there was a reason why the king summoned them. But there's also something that they will receive from the king. Perhaps they'll get a gift. Perhaps the king will, you know, benefit them in some way. So there's a conversation. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, when we start salah, there is a conversation between Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and us. And in the hadith, it says, وَلِعَبْدِ مَا سَأَلْ Whatever my slave says, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is saying in this hadith, whatever my slave asks for in salah, I will grant that to them. فَإِذَا قَالَ الْعَبْدُ الْحَمْدُ لِلَّهِ رَبِّ الْعَالَمِينَ قَالَ اللَّهُ تَعَالَى حَمِدَنِي عَبْدِي Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam says that when the slave says Alhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen This is the first verse that we recite in, in, in Salah, Surah Al-Fatiha In this hadith he's telling us what happens when we perform Salah We're not aware of this, we cannot hear it But this is what happens when we say Alhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen All praises to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, Lord of the universe Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala speaks to us He says my slave has praised me this shows us there's a conversation happening. When, وَإِذَا قَالَ الرَّحْمَنُ الرَّحِيمُ When the slave of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, الرَّحْمَنُ الرَّحِيمُ The second ayah, Allah is all merciful, is continuously merciful. قَالَ اللَّهُ تَعَالَىٰ أَثْنَ عَلَيَّ عَبْدِي My slave has praised me. My slave has exalted me. My slave has spoken well of me. وَإِذَا قَالَ مَالِكِ يَوْمِ الدِّينِ when the slave of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in their salah says, Maliki Yomidin, owner of the day of judgment, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Majjadani Abdi, my slave has exalted me. And then in another narration it says, Fawwada ilayya abdi, my, my slave has trusted me. 
When we say, Only you do we worship, only you do we ask for help. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says at that moment, when we're saying in our salah, we only worship you, O Allah, we only ask from you, O Allah, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, this is the agreement between me and my slave. And whatever my slave asks for, he will receive. And that is why, what is the next ayah after that? O Allah, we worship you. O Allah, we ask from you. Then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, I'm very happy with what my slave is saying. Now you can ask whatever you want, because I'm happy with you. You have praised me, you said, Alhamdulillah, Rabbil Alameen. You have, you have spoken of my mercy, Ar-Rahman, Ar-Rahim. You're realizing that I, there is a Yawm Al-Qiyamah, you believe in it. And then you, you, you declare your slavery to me. Only you do we worship, only you do we ask for help. Now Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, this is my relationship between you. You're realizing what is your reality. Now you can go ahead and ask me whatever you want. I'm very happy with you. فَإِذَا قَالَ إِهْدِنَا الصِّرَاطُ الْمُسْتَقِيمُ صِرَاطُ الَّذِينَ أَنْعَمْتَ عَلَيْهِمْ غَيْرِ الْمَغْضُوبِ عَلَيْهِمْ وَلَضَّالِّينَ The rest of the Surah Al-Fatiha Guide us to the straight path, the straight path in which you have guided those who you have blessed, not the path of those who have earned anger, nor of those who are misguided. قَالْ هَذَا لِعَبْدِي وَلِعَبْدِي مَا سَأَلْ Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala responds to this request. The second half of Surah Al-Fatiha is a request. Oh Allah, guide me. I need guidance. And then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, after we recite this, when we reach that, we say, Ameen. Ameen means, oh Allah, accept my dua. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, this is my, for my slave. My slave will receive what they ask for. This is a conversation. How many of us are aware that we are speaking with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? This is in Sahih Muslim, very authentic hadith, in which Rasulullah tells us the reality in which we are engaging in every time we perform salah. How often <clears throat> do we find ourselves? We perform five times salah every single day. But how often am I aware what I am doing in my salah? How often do I realize that I'm talking with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? Imam al-Ghazali rahimahullah is a great scholar in the past. He gave a very beautiful example of our salah. The salah that we perform with negligence, with not being aware, with heedlessness. In one hadith, Rasulullah mentions, it's an authentic hadith as well. When a person performs salah, the salah comes out after you finish your salam. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullah, assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullah. The salah will come out of your body. And it has a shape and a form. And if you perform the salah correctly, in a very good way, you did the rukur properly, sujood properly, recite properly, and you're aware of what you say, the salah when it comes out of you will have a very beautiful shape and a form. It'll have a shape and a form. And depending on how we perform the salah, it'll be enlightened, it'll have a lot of light, it'll be very beautiful. Angels will come and start taking the salah upward. We find this in many hadith. Whatever actions we do, angels come and they take the hadith upward. Or they take the, the action upward. So the angels will come and they will take the salah and they'll go to the sky. And the, the salah will have an understanding. The salah will know things. It will say, May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala 
protect you because you protected me. You perform me in such a very beautiful manner. Now I'm very beautiful. The salah is happy. And it's leaving us and going to the sky. And it's making dua for us. This is a very important. We want these special duas from our own actions. We always seek the approval of others. We're seeking going to the elders and pious people and saying, please make dua for me, make dua for my family. That's good. We should do that. But we should also realize when we can earn some duas. There's a difference between asking for a dua and earning a dua. Asking, you go to someone say, can you make dua for me? Don't make dua for you. Earning a dua is when you do something good to your parent. They didn't ask for it, but they wanted it in their heart. And then a dua just escapes from them. They just cannot help and they make a dua for you. That's our er earning a dua. Similarly, in salah, we can earn a dua. Perform the salah correctly. The salah will, you don't have to ask. It will make the dua for you. And similarly, we talked about this hadith last week as well. When we perform salah in a negligent manner, we're not aware of what we're saying. We're not aware we're standing before Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. We're going to rukur, we're going to sujood. We're thinking about things after salah, before salah, what I've seen, what I've engaged in, my assignments, my work, deadlines that have to be met. When we perform salah like this, we, we do salam, salam, the salah will come out of us in a very dark and very ugly form, hadith says, very ugly form. It will have a bad smell as well. The angels that will take this salah, they won't want to hold it. They'll find it disgusting. And the salah will feel humiliated. And the doors of the heavens are closed for this salah. It'll be rejected. The salah will then make a dua against the person who performed it. The salah will say, may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala ruin you. Because you ruined me. You destroyed me. May Allah destroy you as well. This is every time we perform salah. It's very dangerous. I can be getting these bad du'as on a daily basis. We're very scared if a person makes a du'a against us. What if our own salah is making a du'a against us on a daily basis? So then this du'a is, of course, going to be accepted. What did salah do that its du'a won't be accepted? The rest of the hadith says that salah will be crumpled up like old clothing. The way we throw away old clothing that's dirty and that's torn and tattered, it'll be crumpled up and thrown back at the face of the person who performed the salah. So we may not be realizing, but the salah is making dua against us. The angels are flinging that salah back at us. Because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala doesn't need our favors. We're not doing Allah a favor by performing salah. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala doesn't need our salah. We need our own salah. So when we perform salah, we should realize that this is for my own good. I'm doing it for my own sake. So I hope I'm going a little bit over time. We're trying to make our khutbahs a little bit shorter. But I want to share this beautiful example. Imam al-Ghazali rahimahullah said, he said, salah has a shape and form. And that is why I shared that hadith with you. It has a shape when you perform it. And he takes the analogy a little bit further. He says, when you perform your salah, Imagine a, a human body. You have your physical body, your limbs, your head, your torso, your legs. And then in the body itself, you have these special limbs, these special abilities. You can see with the eyes, you can smell with the nose, you can speak with your tongue, you can hear with your ears, you can motion. You have all these different special abilities as well. 
And they, the organs are there, and then the organs have power in them. Right? Like eyesight. Some people have good eyesight, they don't need glasses. Some people like myself, we need glasses to see. So there's a weakness in, in the power of the organ as well. So he takes this analogy, how our bodies are. And he says that understand your salah also has these different aspects. He's just making an example. This is not in the hadith, he's, he's given us an example so we can understand. He says, the niyyah and the ikhlas, the sincerity, and your intention in your salah is like your ruh. What happens if we don't have a ruh? You're dead. You're just a body. There's no value to it. You, ha- you have to bury it underground because no one wants it around. It's going to smell bad. So if your salah doesn't have a niyyah, you didn't make an intention, you don't have sincerity, you're doing it for someone else other than Allah, it's like a dead body. No value. And he said the fara'id of salah, standing, rukur, sujood, recitation, these are the, the fard in salah. These are like your, your, your body parts. The head, the arms, the legs. If you miss a fard of salah, it's like a person doesn't have a head. That salah is not going to be accepted. You need to do all of the fara'id of salah. And then he says the tasbih, the dhikr, subhana rabbi al-azim, subhana rabbi al-a'la, it's like your eyes, your ears, your nose, your mouth. These are special limbs that we have. That's what the tasbih and the adhkar, the remembrances in salah is like. It's just the limb, not the power in the limb. And then he says, when you understand what you're saying, when you, you, you're, you're understanding, you're in ruku' and you say, subhana rabbi al-azim, you're in sujood, he says, subhana rabbi al-a'la, you understand that this is Allah in front of, you understand what you're saying, you understand your recitation, that is the power of the limb. We all want good eyesight. Some of us, we do LASIK surgery, we do different types of surgeries to improve the power of our limbs. He is saying in salah, the power of your salah is in the khushur, the understanding of it. So this is the example of salah. The salah is coming out in front of me, it has a form, I want my salah to be beautiful, so I need to make every aspect of my salah beautiful. And then he takes the example a little bit further. And he says, understand your position is like a minister of a king. In the past, when they used to have kings and they used to have their close, the wazirs, the ministers. The king says to the minister, I want to get married. It's time for me to get married. He's a young king. He says, find in a suitable uh, you know, woman for me to marry. That's your job. So now, the wazir goes, he's looking for a good wife for the king, to be the queen. She has to have the, these certain, you know, characteristics. Not only should she be physically beautiful, she should be intelligent from a noble family. She should have all of these different characteristics because this is the king we're talking about. What happens when the wazir comes and he brings a corpse he says, here you go, king, I found a dead body for you to marry. How would the king react? He would be so offended, he might even place the death penalty on this wazir. He says, how dare you? I told you I want to get married to someone. You think this is a joke? You think I'm a commoner? You bring this corpse be- before me. I'm going to execute you now. It's possible. What if the wazir, he goes and he finds, a, you know, according to him, a suitable partner, but this person, this woman, she has no legs, no arms. She just has a torso and a head. Is the king going to be happy? He's not going to be happy with that. What happens if the wazir goes and he finds a very beautiful, suitable partner, intelligent, noble, but she's blind, she can't speak, she can't hear either. 
king is not going to be happy with that either. And so Imam al-Ghazali says, we're like that minister. Every time you perform salah, you're presenting something before Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Be very cautious that you are not trying to ridicule Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. He says, perform salah in the best manner possible. And we are presenting before him a lifeless salah. No ruh, no soul. Or we present before him a salah with no limbs. Or we present before Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala a salah that does not have the ability to see, hear, speak. And this is the example that he gives, that we have to perform salah in the best manner because we're just like that wazir, that minister. And every time we perform salah, we're presenting something before Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. We're making a declaration of love to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. You created me for this reason. I am displaying my love, my slavery to you. We have to be very cautious how we present these actions to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So we ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to give us a New Year's resolution. That my salah is going to change finally. I don't know how long we've been on earth, but we need to change our salah. Every year we should look back and say, okay, my salah was like that last year. Alhamdulillah, it's gotten a little bit closer towards khushur. I'm at least aware of what I'm doing in salah. When I go into ruku', I know that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is watching me. I'm bowing before the king. I'm putting my head down before the king. At least we can know that much. Then the next year we can learn what, what is Surah Al-Fatiha? What are these surahs? What is the translation? What am I saying in Ruku' and Sujood? What is At-Tahiyyatu Lillah? What does it mean? And then we can start applying these in our lives and we can start feeling the emotion in our salah. Then, inshallah, after a few years of effort, it takes a very long time, our salah will come out of our bodies every time, five times a day, more than that. It will be illuminated. It will be beautiful. It will make a dua for us. May Allah preserve you. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala keep you happy because this is how you have treated me. And this is the best form of dua. Rasulullah is encouraging us in these ahadith to perform a good salah. This is not something we can have overnight. This is something that takes a lifetime to develop. And this is a skill that we have to have. So we ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to give us tawfiq, to perform salah in a manner in which he is happy, to give us life in salah. Many of the elders, they always say, Oh Allah, give me a salah in which there is life. Hayat in, in, my, in my salah. And this is what they're referring to. Such a salah that will make dua for me and not against me. Such that won't be thrown at my face like a dirty rag. We ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's afiyah, his wellness. We ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to give us khair in dunya and akhirah. Wa sallallahu tabarak wa ta'ala ala khair khalqi Muhammad wa ala alihi wa sahbihi ajma'in.